Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. Common problem for WWE superstars. Like, they never know how to react to the lights going off. Like, Undertaker made a career out of that. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Why did no one who feuded with The Undertaker over all these years just bring a flashlight down to the room? <laughs> You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Can you imagine that, like, <laughs> shielding his eyes, like, hissing as he runs away or something? <laughs> like, some goth kid. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm continuing my conversation here with my good friend, the Rogue Wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman, and I am, of course, your New Jersey kid, Joe Shane. How you doing this week, Newman? I'm pretty excited, man. I've uh, I've been getting into some some really great wrestling here. There's uh, New Japan had a new beginning, yeah, and uh, they they had this real really cool show where they the theme was faction versus faction okay and i'll get more into that show later um uh, but okay. one of the things that really inspired me i think that was very interesting that we could talk about in terms of wwe is that so in new japan almost all the different superstars are like in a faction or in some sort of group like yes some of them are obviously like just solo stars but most people are in a group yeah now in wwe I think a lot of their shows where you've been doing where they show off a little bit more of these people's characters where mm-hmm. they're part of a group where they have interactions with like the female superstars and male with the mix max challenge. Like it shows Which has off been more so entertaining. It's actually been like surprisingly very good. Um, and it really just fleshes out these characters a lot more. And <clears throat> in that idea where I think that people should be more so part of groups and there should be more factions and stuff. I actually do think at this point, in time, Joe, if WWE wanted to add in a new title, because there there have been talks from time to time here of like a women's tag title, and right now there's just not really enough women to have that. I think within the next two years, probably, right? I'd say so. Maybe like in another year or two if they pump in enough women. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely on their way. They're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, you know, if, if they really wanted to have a women's tag, they could do like a mixed tag. That's probably the closest they could do right now. Mm-hmm. And that that would be a kind of interesting idea, I guess. Do yeah. you think do you think they have any plans for that with the mixed match challenge? Are they going to have a mixed chat or mixed tag champions? Uh possibly cuz I think the idea behind this was Facebook was like we want a show and WWE's like here's one for you. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it because it just seems like a house show. Um I think you and I have both have only been to a couple house shows, right, of WWE? Yeah, I've only been to a couple. Yeah, one or two maybe for me. And they're just so much fun, right? Like, when you go to a TV taping, granted, you're getting the better... Um, you're getting more live ex- Yeah, story slash live experience, right? Of like, that's hey, not always, yeah, that's not always a good can, thing. Exactly. And, hey, you could be on TV kind of a thing. But house shows, man, are just so much fun. Because the wrestlers are just having fun right and when the wrestlers are having fun the audience has fun and that's what i love about the mix max challenge well the other thing about well 
I guess is somewhat in the mix match challenge, but like sort of different because that one's definitely they're they're focusing more on storytelling and having fun with the audience. But like the thing I specifically love about house shows is I feel like they can let go a little more and have bigger extended like really just solid wrestling matches because they're not as focused about like only telling a small part of the story on TV, but teasing you so that you watch the pay per view. Mm -hmm. Like if you're at the house show, you fucking spent your money. Like yes, you're here. Let's give you a show. They're also experimenting with the matches, right, for the future pay-per-views or upcoming TV tapings. Right. Exactly. Um, but anyway, to, to round to it up, go back, to. Get back to what I was <laughs> building to, in WWE, they could totally have, right now, if they wanted to, they could do a trios division. Now, break they, this down for me. So, the, I was thinking about this first when I watched Sanity versus Undisputed Era. Because right now, they've got those two uh, teams going at it right now. And it's like, all right, we've got a trios there. We've got a trios here. Up on the main roster, we've got New Day. It's a trio. We've got The Shield when they've got all three of those guys as a trio. We've got mm. The Miz Taraj, which is a trio. We've got Balor Club, which is a trio. We've got The Wyatt Family, which is a trio. And we've got Kalisto, Grand Metallic, and uh, uh, Lindsay Dorado as Luchador's trio. Right. That's a lot of trios. Like, yeah. You could have a trio. That you don't belt. really think about, right? Right. They're kind of like hidden in plain sight. And that is separate from, because then I listed out the tag teams, because they, and tag teams, we've got the Usos, we've got the Bar, we've got the Revival, the Fashion Police, American Beta, the Ascension, American uh, Beta, <laughs> Cammy, gets we've me got every time. the Hardys, uh, Rusev Day, Rhino and Slater, Titus Worldwide. Like, Team PowerPoint, if, if Gulak and Nice can be friends ever again. Uh, mm-hmm. And then still in NXT, you've got, like, TM61, Heavy Machinery, Authors of Pain, Street Profits. So, like, you can still have your tag team division and a trios division. And I was thinking, like, you could distinguish it in that, like, with the tag teams, you could have, like, more distinct tag team rules. Like, you have to tag in and out. And, like, there's more strict rules. But then with, like, the trios, it could be more of, like, tornado rules. It could be very loose. Like, if someone just gets thrown out on your side, then somebody else could jump in and take their place, kind of like the Mexican trio rules. So, more similar to the Ring of Honor style that you can't stand. Right, exactly. <laughs> but then at least there's, like, a distinction of, like, all right, hey, this is the different rule set, and this is the different match type. It's more chaotic, and it's, like, just giant group fighting instead of, like, the specific art of two-man tag team fighting. In the same way mm. that I've been arguing for, like, the Cruiserweight, like, it's like, you'd have to change the name if it made a submission division, mm-hmm. but, like, making a, a division that's all about skill, which would generally attract the smaller wrestlers. Yeah. But then again, you could also have Cesaro in that division. Like, he could be the giant guy who's in that technical guy division. Yeah, kind of, I think we always harp back on this, but similar to the X division at the mm. peak of TNA. Yeah, It wasn't like a weight class, but a could you perform like this, which is why someone like a Samoa Joe could be in there. Right. Ooh, man, what if Samoa Joe makes a surprise return to the <laughs> to the Cruiserweight division? <laughs> I'm actually surprised he hasn't returned yet, actually speaking of that. Well, they're, they've been really strict with that whole uh, 205 weight thing. With uh, I mean, they even went into the whole weigh-in video with Buddy Murphy debuting. Dude, that was so good. Like... Buddy Murphy isn't my favorite person, but the fact that they did the weigh-in thing made it so much better. Wait, you're telling me you don't like Buddy Murphy as much as you like Shawn Michaels? 
Yeah. <laughs> wow, Joe. I can't believe it. All right, wait, you're surprised. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, like, because it brought me back to the old Matt Hardy skits when he wanted to compete for the Cruiserweight title. And he had to, like, lose the weight. So he was doing the thing that, like, boxers and wrestlers do where they work out with a trash bag over them to sweat it off. Mm-hmm. And it was just so funny. So do you think this is going to be enough to, like, give him another chance? Like, do you think he's going to be able to run with this? What's your feeling? I'm feeling no, just because... I mean, maybe... We haven't really seen him have a chance to show his character, right? Yeah, I mean, he was there with the tag team with uh, Wesley Blake and Alexa Bliss, but Mm -hmm. she was the fucking star of that group. Um, Not at first, though, right? Remember, it was... The well, two of them, that was like, they, they were doing good matches, and Alexa was kind of there on the side, and then she got into her character and just blew them away. Yeah, because they were just fucking hands, and then she mm-hmm. she became herself. She actually got a character. Mm-hmm. Whereas the two of them, I don't think ever really did. And so, maybe if his character's entertaining enough, no, but just from my experience with him, I don't I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, I don't know. He, I feel like he just hasn't really struck me as being that charismatic enough of a guy. Like, I think if he does really, I don't know. He seems to be like a good hand, you know. Yes, and it, it's one of those things that, like, I guess that sounds like such a horrible thing to say, but you know, there you do need to have a good, couple of good hands around, and yes, you know, why not? Why not have Buddy Murphy be one of them? I guess. And he is stepping into a good atmosphere in another item that we're going to bring up, which is that there's new management of 205 Live, right? We've got Triple H now running the show. Yeah. And hey, you know what? I mean, speaking of more on the 205 Live subject, you know, Drew Gulak back in the Cruiserweight Classic didn't show like a tenth of the charisma that he's showing on a regular basis now. So No, maybe... remember how much I was hyping him up to you in the Cruiserweight Classic and you were just like, I don't see it, man. Like, Yep. Yeah, and, then, and, and I was so man like, man, like I see it. They're picking TJ Perkins. He's the guy, and then he's just stagnated ever since then. Like, if, if anything, he's like, I, gotten a little bit worse character wise. But like in the ring, he's still fine. But he still has that spark though of just yeah. He could get better. They just need to do something. Well, he had that bit when he turned heel with Neville. That was good. But yeah, mm. Gulak has you know gotten way better. So maybe Buddy Murphy just needs this opportunity, and maybe he'll uh. He can get better and figure out a character. And you know who he can who he can interact with and uh, really have his character come out. Drake mm-hmm. Maverick, baby, he's been killing it on Two Hundred Five Live. He has been really good. Like he he and William Regal are showing in WWE what you're supposed to be doing with like GM characters. Be British. <laughs> be British and <laughs> be a supporting character. Yeah. Right. Like. Both of those guys are better than like half of their rosters on the mic, right? But they don't overshadow them. Right, and one like the entire existence of their character is to try and prop up and make those other characters better. Exactly. Like William Regal's involvement in the show, like at least ninety percent of the time, is like he is talking to somebody and being like, Hey, you know what? You've proven yourself worthy, so I'm gonna give you this match. Or, like, they're asking for the match, and then he says, like, all right, we'll beat this person, and then you'll get it. Like, he adds that structure to the show that shows how it works. 
mm-hmm. and then rewards people. And then Drake Maverick now is constant. Like his theme right now is like he's going up to all these like personalityless or you know, quote unquote personalityless cruiserweights and like inspiring them to become more of characters and gain some focus. And he's just doing it. These perfect little snippets comes in, speaks some hard truth at the character, and then walks away. So that it's like you see how the character needs to focus. Mm-hmm. And it's been done really well so far. And it's been... Um, like, do you see Gulak uh, and Nice this week? Holy shit. Yeah. Like, at Nice, I loved his little quip about him just being a person with abs. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but my other favorite interaction was uh, with Jack Gallagher. Like, he challenged him. He was like, he, you can't just be the guy in a suit kind of a thing. And I want you to go out there and wrestle in tights. Mm-hmm. So being the authoritarian figure but also propping up the character, as you said. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what? To even prop up more that moment you pointed out there with Gallagher, maybe this is a little bit more of a harken as to where they're trying to go with this show, is that they're really trying to wrap it up into this feel of, like, the Cruiserweight Classic before, which is very, like, proper wrestling, and, like, every single guy in there wrestled in tights. They did, like, the handshaking and stuff. Like, maybe he's going to try and introduce that very classic wrestling feel into all the different elements of this show. You know what I mean? Which totally makes sense. You're right. And it's because Triple H ran the Cruiserweight Classic. Now he's running 205 Live. He's going to probably make it more into his image. Well, and I think that makes sense, too, to capitalize on the fact that the Cruiserweight Classic was fucking awesome. Yes. People were really into it. So try and capture what made that really good, which Mm -hmm. was that... And you know what? I think it's a lot of... Honestly... Triple H understands something that's very simple that Vince McMahon has weirdly forgotten, which is that in pro wrestling, I think you really need to sell people on the matches, not just the angles. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, we and I think have to want to see the match play out. You also said the word that is permanently in my head with how Triple H is, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Don't go crazy. Storylines don't need to be swerves and second guessing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, show the audience that, hey, the championship match in the future is going to be between these two guys in a couple months and build towards that. Don't change it along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that, like, you know, 90% of the time, like, what you're really going to be sympathetic for is, like, all right, if, if I want this guy to win, it's because I know that he can win and that he's been like legitimately cheated out of his victory instead of like i don't know he he diametrically opposed this this guy philosophically and they don't like each other like maybe something like that can spice up and add a little bit but it's really about the simple story of that like we're behind this guy we want him to be champion we think that he should be champion and some of the guys staying in his way and we want to see the victory you know? So we, yeah, we're going to cheer for that guy. We're not going to cheer for the bad guy, right? Especially, actually, like, go ahead. Is I was listening to a, a Sam Roberts podcast this week, and he interviewed Booker T. And Booker T. said that Kevin Nash approached him about joining the NWO, and Booker T. was like, "Nah, man, you do your thing, I'll do mine." But basically, it's like I told him that I think the NWO is ruining wrestling. Because of how they're making heels get cheered. <laughs> I was like, damn, you go, Booker T. I mean, he's not wrong in certain aspects. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, you know, speaking of heels that are getting cheered, what the fuck are are they doing with Dolph Ziggler coming back here? I don't know, man. On SmackDown. I mean, nothing, basically, right? I mean, well, granted, he's in the title match. So definitely not nothing, because he's in the title match. And he was but the, he was the was guy that no... closed out the show. Like, you know. Yeah, but it's just weird, right? It is really weird, especially with like all the rumors going around with like how much he his contract was signed for, and like the supposed freedoms involved with it. So I don't know. It's very weird. It's that's all that I can describe because he goes away after he wins the title, then comes back and goes, "I want a main event WrestleMania," and it's just like, then why did you give up the U.S. title? Like. When yeah, like you want to keep that and then come back and say, okay, I have the U.S. title, defend it a couple times, and be like, all right, I deserve to fight the actual champion now. Right. Because especially if he was doing like the you know, open challenge, defending it every week, then he could call out AJ and be like, hey, look, I'm defending every single week. Like, what are you doing, you lazy ass? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the real champion of SmackDown. We're road itself. But, uh,. Yeah, I don't know. This is really, really fucking weird. Especially because it's like, I just can't tell whether this is another attempt to be like, you know, we're just going to kind of grease him up a little bit. And then, you know, it, I mean, that's really all it is, right? We're just heating him up a little bit for this match. But then by WrestleMania, he's probably either not going to be on the card. Or if he is, maybe it'll be in the United States title match. And it's and it's hard to get behind him at this point when he does those promos of the the yelling promo of all I have left to do is main event WrestleMania and it's just like yeah man but you've you've yelled that kind of stuff before and it hasn't happened <laughs> yeah it's like every single time he yells that promo he fails so it's like oh mm-hmm. all right well get ready for Dolph Ziggler to get pinned or at least just yeah. lose and like really we brought him back after all that hype of him leaving and not knowing what was going on and we just put him in a match with Baron Corbin yeah I don't know it's you know, it's like I like that if they're actually going to play up this idea that maybe he only comes in very selectly and then they actually use him a little more intelligently with those select options, mm-hmm. then I think that could help salvage him a little bit. Plus, it could probably just help salvage his happiness if he's just not being fucking like ground into the ground all the time, just being asked to lose to everybody and anybody all the time. And then, like... If he has more days off as far as just not wrestling as many house shows, yeah, I'm sure that can only be good for him as far as just being able to recover for his body and then also figure out whatever outside project, whether it's his stand-up or whatever the hell else he's doing. I don't know if he's... Is he doing anything else? Uh, I'm not sure. I feel like I remember he might have been doing something political at one point, but I'm not totally sure. Like, not running for office, but like... Like, either commentating on politics, or I think there was, like, a Fox show that he was on one time, like, an an economy show. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. I'm not 100% on that one, but... I just don't uh, remember which one and for how long he was on it. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fucking weird, but I I guess at least for him, the person, I hope that he's just getting a good deal, but for him and the company, he's just in such a fucking weird place, because, like... Tried, I think somebody else mentioned this yet again the other day. Like, wouldn't it be so great if he just went to New Japan? Or Ring of Honor, either one. 
Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, or both, because you know a lot of those guys go back and forth, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, if he can go in there, you could have some fucking match with Kenny Omega, with fucking Tanahashi, with Okada. Can you imagine fucking Ziggler and Okada? Holy fuck. Uh, actually, I would be more excited for him and Tanahashi. Yeah. Oh, me too. Actually, that'd be really good. Well, I'm sorry, a healthy Tanahashi. Yeah, a healthy Tanahashi for sure. Though I don't know, you really can't tell the difference with Tanahashi. Like, <laughs> he does amazing matches, and like, yeah, he did that with a broken back. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Oh yeah, this this man is barely human. He is like a deity. <laughs> um, I only say that because of Tanahashi's rock star gimmick. Um, I think it would be funny for the two of them to go back and forth with their rock star personality type things. Oh shit, yeah. Actually, man, you really sold me on that match, man. I'm I'm marking out for that. I want to see that. This is what I do. It's what I do. Although, I guess, what the fuck would Ziggler be called? He couldn't be called Dolph Ziggler. Nick Nameth. Nick Nameth? Is that a good enough yeah. name? Makes him sound like a meth head. <laughs> no, that was, what's his name from uh, Tough Enough? Andy. Andy? Was that the guy who won? Mm-hmm. Oh man! Remember, he goes. Um, it, they they were trying to hype up his debut, and so then they had him go to like his childhood home, and he was like, "Oh, there's like meth addicts living there now." <laughs> it was super awkward. Fucking meth addicts, making everything uh, weird. You know, it wasn't weird. Mm. Braun Strowman this week on Raw. Oh man, what a great moment! So, if you, anyone listening to this, if you haven't seen Raw yet, at least the segments with Braun Strowman, go back and watch them. Because they are amazing. Yeah, With this... both men, right? It's it's both Strowman and Elias. Oh, no, I mean, Elias does his job. But Braun Strowman is a master in this segment. <laughs> a master at the base? He, he's slapping the base. <laughs> Oh, in the face, man. Oh my god, that was fucking hilarious. Like, not only was it fucking hilarious in of itself, and then we get the great moment of him smashing the base over Elias, but, like, doesn't that prove so goddamn much that, like, he really is the next face of this company? He needs to be the guy to carry the torch. Because, like, as much as they constantly wanted Roman Reigns to be able to do the stupid shit that John Cena could do, he never mm-hmm. could, and it just doesn't fit his character at all because he's so dark and broody. But then mm-hmm. Braun Strowman, they figured out, and he's like grown enough as a performer, that they can make him do this stupid shit, and he can make it work. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy thinking back to his like debut, right? Yeah, well, because he came in, and he was like a fucking mindless monster. Mm-hmm. He was like, he might as well have been Kane. And now he has a personality. And now he has like a shitload of personality. And he's... Man, like, he's over as fuck. Like, if Vince does not put the title on this guy instead of Reigns at WrestleMania, he is fucking retarded. Like, like it's got to happen at this point. There's there's no excuse at this point. Like, the crowd is so fucking behind him. And he's, like, you've actually built him up as far as, like, and, I mean, just fucking look at him. How easy is it to build up a guy like that? He's got the look. He's got the credibility. He can actually put on a decent match, especially when he's like against somebody who's good. 
Like, when he has to try and carry Brock Lesnar who doesn't want to do shit, then, you know, all right, it's not going to be great. But, like, you know, getting a match out of Brock Lesnar that's anywhere good is, like, about as hard as getting a good match out of Undertaker now. So, <laughs> that's, that's masterclass level shit. You know what? Well, maybe well, maybe instead of John Cena, they should put AJ Styles against the Undertaker. That's that's just like the last hope. <laughs> AJ or Finn Balor or that that is at this point that is the ultimate test. If you cannot have a good match with Finn Balor or not Finn Balor, uh, say AJ Styles, yeah. you suck. <laughs> you suck if you can't have a good match with AJ Styles. AJ Dude. Styles could have a good match with a corpse. Would are you, are you would you be ranking him like number one right now in terms of wrestling? Uh, you know what? Uh, as far as like a pure wrestling talent, I probably would. It'd be tough. It'd be tough between like him and Omega, but I think I'd maybe still put Styles as number one. Yeah, just because I, I think Omega I think the, is. I think good. The, just because Styles is also so old, and it's like, and how the yes. fuck is he still so goddamn good, and he's this old? But he's also, I think, better at leading people through a match, right? Yeah. And that's due to his age and experience and things like that. And yeah, exactly. He's been so many more places, so I think he he would he would seem to have so much more of that comprehension of the different styles and how to be able to communicate <laughs> with different people. So, yeah. AJ Styles knows different styles. He's uh. the master of all the styles. <laughs> um, but uh, as I mentioned, the Finn in there, um, something I forgot to bring up before was Finn now entering the Elimination Chamber by getting through that second chance Fatal 4-Way. Fatal 5-Way. Oh, right. Because Seth got it. Because it'll be a seven-man Elimination Chamber. Yeah. So I assume there'll still just be four pods, but then three people start in the beginning? I, that's the only way you could probably do it, right? Unless they're going to build a new pod. You have a ceiling pod. Somebody gets dropped from the ceiling. Yeah. Ooh. Finn Balor should drop from the ceiling as the demon. Hmm. He could dress himself. He could paint himself like Spider-Man. Yeah. Try to recreate the John Morrison moment from like uh, five or so years or however many fucking years ago it was. When he like dropped oh, the Elimination Chamber on all those guys. Can you imagine John um, doing his like... Uh, flips and stuff like that off like the top of the pods and stuff like that in this new chamber that they've designed Before now that it actually has like a ceiling and stuff like that like a higher ceiling actually you know what uh, speaking of john morrison too there was a a fucking interview i can't remember who did it but recently he was uh asked about you know, some stuff with him in wwe and if he would ever come back and he he had said something about uh I don't know whether this is actually a plan or if this is just something that he's kind of fantasy booked with his friends because he's friends with like Miz and Ziggler and Ryder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was saying that like the four of them would make a hell of a faction. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? They totally could make a hell of a faction. It would be a total fucking heel faction. And it would be very much in my mind, it would be in the vein of like like a Backstreet Boys or like Sync, almost kind of yes, like. That's like, exactly what I was thinking. Just like boy band group of fucking asshole <laughs> heels, like, like, or like the Entourage guys. Because that's what they do, right? And that would be the funny part is they all do that as friends. They go out to these concerts and stuff. And so it would just be them, like, living that dream. Right. And then it's, it's perfect because, like, it, it, they could kind of fit into, like, this idea of, uh, 
like these dreamy group of guys and like they all have like the type so it's like you know zach Ryder's the goofy one and you know dolph ziggler's like the show-offy jockey one and yeah like, john morrison's kind of like the philosophical like weirdo one and like, Miss Miss, the like the loud, one. arrogant one, like the pompous yeah. one, the you know confident one. <laughs> oh my gosh, it'd be perfect. I'd I'd fucking love to see that dude. If you know if what's Mugo sad came now, came back and the four of them got together, that'd be fucking amazing. You know what's sad is that now I'm picturing like the Spirit Squad entrance with them. <laughs> oh no, they could never do that though. <laughs> well, I don't know, or maybe they could if they were like super parody, like if they parried it a lot. Yeah, and then like, it's like John, on somebody, Dom, oh, Miz, Johnny, and- Mikey. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh, yeah, Zachy. That's yeah. That'd be. <laughs> oh. That'd be terrible. Yeah, no, that'd be. I I'd be super down for that. Definitely. Um. Did we mention uh, Cena hinting at his WrestleMania opponent, possibly? Uh, no, but uh, it sounds like it's going to be Undertaker. Is that yes? Is that correct? I mean, that's what they're hinting at, right? He's Granted, it is only one line in a John Cena promo. John Cena does like to troll the fans a bit, right? So he mentioned that WrestleMania brings legends back from the dead. So, is it Taker? Probably. It probably will be. Well, because, like, if it's not that, who else would Cena fight at this point? Yeah, I don't know. He was also worth him fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? If you uh, if you go listen to my uh, letter to Vince, I told him that he should fight Samoa Joe. And that if Samoa Joe is not healthy, then plan B would have been... Uh, I put together a match with Cena and Jason Jordan. Nice. But apparently Jason Jordan's fucking injured now. <laughs> yeah, so. he's injured now. Uh, the Samoa Joe match would be interesting because they already have a past. Yep. They were in the same independent promotion when Cena got signed. Yep, exactly. So I was saying that like I think Samoa Joe could run a whole you know, your life should have been my life sort of thing. Like it should have picked me, not you. Yeah, exactly. And he'd be really fucking good at that. Mm-hmm. But with if he's if he's out and if Jason Jordan's out, then you know what you could do like Cena versus Kurt Angle. Yeah, because fucking why not? It'd be better than Cena versus Taker. <laughs> I mean, they're both older at this point, so they're both older at this point. But like, Taker is so he's so old, and he just needs to retire. And his fucking last match was in the main event last year, and then he fucking kissed Candice or yeah Michelle McCool. On fucking camera. Like, he broke kayfabe, dude. It's over. It's over. Uh, Michelle McCool is into dead men? <laughs> My god, Michelle McCool was out here. <laughs> try, actually, did JR call that match? I think he yes, did. Yes, he did. My god, Michelle McCool is out here, and she's kissing the dead man. I think, I think he's hey. thinking, you know what? Fuck wrestling. I'm going to go fuck young bitches. <laughs> and Michelle McCool is into necrophilia. Maybe she's into necrophilia. <laughs> By God, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> By God, he's broken in half. <laughs> By, By God, my boner is broken in half. 
right. So <laughs> over to um, NXT, we had a couple of good matches. Ooh, man, Roderick Strong versus Pete Dunne. That was really good. Now the question is, is this a swan song for Roderick Strong and NXT? Because we did see his debut in 205 Live last week, I believe, right? Um, and he had an excellent match with Hideo Tommy, so it's another reason 205 Live is getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're influxing it with talent, and so then I think Roderick's going to be missed on NXT because this was an amazing match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I feel like that makes sense if if he's just going to go ahead and be up on 205 Live now, because um, there's enough guys in NXT. And he's been there for a little while, and he's already challenged for the title. And now that he's challenged for the UK title and lost, like it would it would take a long time for him to challenge for the title again. And honestly, at this point, I think it just makes sense to have him move up and see what you can do. Yeah, especially now that Johnny Gargano's kind of taken his place, right, of the underdog babyface. Well, Johnny Gargano's probably going to be gone. I think he uh, he's putting his career up against. Uh, Almas in NXT. Yeah, but I mean, like, for the time being, right? At least Johnny so, has taken that spot. So for, like, the next couple of weeks, Johnny Gargano can have that spot until he's gone? Yeah. <laughs> until he's up in 205. <laughs> um, but, well, I don't know. I, I still think at some point Roderick Strong is going to have to turn heel. I just, I feel like there's not enough for him, at least in WWE, as a babyface. You know, because he's just such, like, a pure technical guy. That like he's gonna have to it, like he's in the same way that Daniel Bryan had to turn heel to gain enough personality to like be entertaining enough to mm-hmm. then be babyface again. I think Roderick Strong is gonna have to turn heel to find that next gear if he's gonna succeed on that level as a babyface in WWE. Yeah, and I think we kind of did see some heelish tendencies from him in that match with Hideo Tommy on Two Hundred Five Live, right? Mm-hmm. Like really taunting him and. And we saw hints of it and shades of it, like taunting it in NXT a little bit before he came up, mm-hmm. but it never fully happened. So, and, and I mean, speaking of today with Tommy, he's definitely even further into that process right now. Like he already is kind of heel, but like not all the way. And he needs to see the great thing about being heel is you can experiment way more than you can as a mm-hmm. face. Because you're just trying to get the crowd to hate, hate you. So, like, even if you're not doing something interesting, then you can just, like, flick them off or, like, do something to get them to boo you again. Until you eventually mm-hmm. find something that really sticks and connects. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? I feel like there's something yes. to that. Because, like, with so many yes. characters that fail as baby faces, they need to turn heel and then they find their character as a heel. And then they get so over as a heel that they become babyface again. Yeah. Like, that's the cycle, right? Yes, and once they get that character from the heeldom, they can turn back babyface and mm-hmm. be, like, the crowds behind them as a babyface. Right. It's like the rise and fall of Empires, too. It's like you figure out something, and it's working for a little while, and then eventually it crashes, and then eventually in that, you know, chaos, you find something else that works, and then you ride that as long as you can. Like, you know, you ride this character for as long as it can be a babyface until... People hate it, and then you booze you, and then you have to find something new in that creative chaos of being a heel until it mm-hmm. works, and then you turn babyface again. Like it's the it's the progression of characters in wrestling. Yeah. Speaking of progression, though, 
we mm. saw a little bit of a progression with Kyrie Sane on NXT. Yeah, I, I dig her ultra babyface character. Mm-hmm. So we had the match with Ember Moon and the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, with Kyrie Sane actually interfering, which, as you pointed out earlier, and I loved your your point of this, is she's separating herself from Asuka. Yeah, very crucial. Just because there's a reality, people are kind of dumb, so the Japanese girl needs to distance herself from the other Japanese girl. And with Asuka being so wild and stuff like that, like Kyrie being very virtuous, I think makes her very different. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved her style too. Like she didn't just come in and start punching Shayna. She came in and like jumped on her at first because she is the smaller girl that has to go after the bigger girl. Mm-hmm. And so the, she makes her her offense right. is logical. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. That's all I was gonna say. Offense okay. is logical. And in top of the logical offense, something further logical was that like she really did go and like try to help Ember Moon up too. It wasn't just that she came in to hit Shayna Baszler. She came in because she was saving Ember Moon. Yeah, which is why it was this Uber baby face move and not uh heal. Right. One of the few times that interfering is baby face thing yeah well and part of that is because they, they've been doing a good job of show like telling the story of uh, Shayna Baszler really being a heel mm-hmm. like the crowd has been reacting to it like really well like they know and she's been getting consistent boos and so that then when you have somebody come out there and do that like because you know most of the time when the match is over it's like oh well fuck this shit we were enjoying the match and even they they're on some level enjoying the match because you like that feeling of like when you care about something enough to be upset about it on some level you enjoy that because like you know you want the baby face to prevail so you like that sense of peril mm. like even though you don't like it you like it because if you don't like it then you're bored like if you don't have that when you're watching something you're bored because you don't care mm-hmm. so you like having that sense of peril so that then it's perfect, because so then Kyrie Sane can come in and interrupt it, and then we can get back to it again later. That struggle of, like, oh, man, when is Shayna Baszler going to finally fucking crack that arm? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Ember Moon's going to be done. Poor Ember Moon. Because, man, poor Ember Moon. She finally got that goddamn title after, like, Asuka was holding on to forever. And then forever. Shayna Baszler <laughs> Shayna Baszler comes in and just kills her. But at least she's been the really good underdog champion, right? Like, she's been injured and still fighting, and... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been... Actually, I think this has been better than Ember Moon than a lot of even her build-up has been. Like, this has been really good for her. Exactly. It's been building some, like, real genuine... It's really great because it builds genuine sympathy, and it shows off just how tough she is. Mm. That she's been able to go through this much so far, and that she's still going against Baszler when, like, most of the other girls are just, like, dead. When they yeah, fight exactly. for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. All right. And then do you want to jump over to Ring of Honor? Oh, yeah. We got some Ring of Honor stuff. We got big, a lot of Honor stuff. Big shakeup, man. Fuck Matt Taven. I do not like <laughs> He now holds the ring, quote unquote, of Honor. What a little bitch. <laughs> Hot dog looking bitch. What a fucking hot dog looking bitch. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard of it? So, 
with how tan he gets sometimes, people call it so that he looks like a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> he, that. he admitted that in, in an interview. It was hilarious. That he's heard that, or like that he also agrees. He's like, oh, he shit, also I agrees. Tan. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Um, That's true. At the Women of Honor division is strengthening with the um, debut of the former Emma, now known as her real name, Tennille Dashwood. I like the name change. I, I like the name Tennille. I don't know. It's just because it's actually unique, you know, because like Emma, I don't yeah. know. It's like any girl could just be named Emma. Yeah. But Tennille <laughs> like, Dashwood. Like someone you know. <laughs> like, yeah, like someone I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I thought, well, I don't know, it was good to see her. The match that she was in was not the greatest, because, like, some of the others, those women were not great, you know? Oh, my God, like, Mandy Leone is not ready for prime time. Yeah, I don't know how many of these women in the Women of Honor tournament are ready to go. Um, but, hey, at the very least, you have Tennille Dash. Like, so, like, at, like, the worst thing they could do, which I don't know if this is the worst thing they will do, but... They could at least just put the title on her, right? Like that wouldn't be a yeah. bad move. I don't know, is there someone else in there that you know of who you would rather have uh, get that title, the Women of Honor title? They already defeated her with, um, oh, who was it? Madison Rain. Oh, okay. But uh, she, like I said, she was defeated by Mandy Leon this week, so. Who, Madison Rain? Yeah. God damn. So wait, did they yes. already crown a champion? And it just hasn't been aired yet? No, it was just the... the this was the latest uh, tournament match. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, damn it. Poor Tenille. Oh, well, that's all right. No, no, no. Mandy just defeated Madison. That's all. Oh, I thought you were saying that in the tournament, Tennille's already out. No, 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 Madison is already out. Oh, 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 okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I got confused for a second. I thought I thought you were talking about like some future tapings that haven't aired yet. No, no, no. This week, Madison Rain was defeated by Mandy in the tournament, and so yeah, because uh, Tennille just debuted in a tag match last week, right? So she hasn't technically yeah. entered the tournament yet. Right, but I figure she's got to be in there. Oh, definitely. I think that's why they signed her. I think they mentioned that on the in her debut. I think they said she was going to be in the tournament. Yeah. But I'm not 100%. Um, and then uh, Dalton Castle overcoming his biggest obstacle so far, probably. Yeah, and Punishment Martinez putting down the big mm-hmm. man. And a nice... Uh, it, was a, it was a good match, especially for... I mean, Punishment is only a few years into the business compared to Dalton and mm-hmm. such different styles, but they pulled it off really well. Well, it's like, it's it's nice to see like this guy getting a little bit further and getting pushed by a guy like Dalton Castle, and that's part of being the champion, right, is bringing all the other guys up to your level. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what a, a match like this can do. Because you, know, I, I don't think anybody thought Punishment was going to win this match, but it's a match to have him be in the ring with a guy who's better than him and force him to get better by being in a big spot. And also not destroying either character, right? 
both come out looking good from this. Right, because, I mean, the punishment definitely fucking got his punishment in. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, it, this definitely was not a one-sided match. This wasn't, you know, like, Dalton's cast and just beats his ass. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't that. So, you know, it made him look good. Yep. Um, speaking of looking good, over on uh, New Japan, we had the whole uh, New Beginnings sort of culmination with uh, the LIJ, Los Ingobernables versus Chaos in a set of really important singles matches. And uh, this culminated in, so like the the biggest sort of thing coming out of this was five singles matches. And you had first was Bushi versus Ghetto, which is uh, Bushi has all of his masks and mm-hmm. Ghetto kept stealing them. And Bushi was like going to try to get his masks back, but then also threatening to cut off like Ghetto's beard. So this is kind of like the undercard, a little goofy <laughs> yeah. one out of the five. Um, but then, like, so Bushi wins that, so Los Ingobernables gets a win. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, Naito versus Yoshihashi, and they've got a lot of history, and Naito's trying to get a big win after the loss of Wrestle Kingdom, and he yes. just annihilates Yoshihashi. Like, he, Well, he had to, right? Yeah. I mean, Yoshihashi definitely got some, like, really good spots coming back and stuff, but, like, Naito really fucked his day up, like, real bad, uh, which is really good. And they started a new little feud for him, it looks like, with Naito. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe feuding with Tai Chi briefly. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a big feud or not, but anyway. So then it was like, Los Ungarbernables is up by two. Then you have the junior heavyweight match, which is Hiromu versus Osprey. And this match was fucking insane. Like, just... A million miles an hour from the get-go. The New Japan just, style. Yeah. Well, it was like the New Japan light heavyweight style. This is exactly what it should have been. Mm-hmm. And it was just completely insane. But Will Ospreay retains. So, you know, finally turning the tide and Chaos gets a win here. And the first one where there was a title on the line. Then you go to Evil versus Hiroki Goto for the open weight title. This one, another really heavy, like, uh, this is a hard fight, fight, a lot slower than the last one, a lot more hardcore. Um, Hiroki Goko gets the win, retaining the title, so then now it's two versus two for the faction warfare, and it's the finals. We've got Cold Skull Sonata versus Okada, and Okada's just been, like, trying to get Sonata to get to that next gear, and Sonata, I think, really got pretty damn close. Like, he really stepped it up in this match, really keeping up with Okada. Well, when you're in there with Okada, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even, like, kind of throwing back a lot of, like, Okada's earlier sort of disrespectful moves back at him, sort of, like, one-upping Okada. But ultimately, Okada does come out on top, retains the title. Chaos wins over Los Ingobernables for now. Uh, and then he ends up challenging, because part of the story going into this, too, is that Jay White has been talking as the newest member of Chaos, saying that, you know, why has nobody in Chaos challenged Okada for the title and mm-hmm. saying that somebody within the, the faction should challenge him. And so then Okada puts down the challenge uh, for Will Ospreay. They're going to fight, I think, at um, it's either like Strong Style Evolved or one of the other shows coming up. I can't remember which, or maybe it's um one of the anniversary shows or something. I don't know. They're going to be fighting at some sort of big match. I don't think it's necessarily for the title. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have a big singles match. Okada versus Will Ospreay. So, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. New I Japan think, always killing it. 
Totally. Like they putting together a lot of fun stuff. Because then even on the other card, they had some really great stuff of like, because um, it's like a couple of days together for like the whole new beginnings event. And then some of the stuff like really pays off then at the last bit. And like Yanatoru, he's been like been in a bunch of tag matches against Juice Robinson. And mm-hmm. in the first match, he part of the way they won was he tied Juice Robinson's uh, dreadlocks to the guardrail outside the <laughs> ring. So oh my that, god, that's hilarious. So he couldn't get into the ring to the break up to pin when they pinned his tag partner. And so then in one of the later matches, then he was trying to tag or trying to tie him up again. And then Juice Robinson was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, he got out of it and just, it was, it's really just fun, great shit they do. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, what was I going to say there? Oh, yeah, but Will Ospreay, I think this could be like a really big opportunity for him to really show whether he's ready to get to that like next step as a performer. You know what I mean? Because like, you know, being able to fight Okada, that's a big deal yeah. for him. So, and I'm, I, I mean, I have to look, I don't think necessarily, I, I don't know if they fought before. They probably have at some point, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know offhand. New Japan's history as well, so because they could have been like the you know, like the big tournament or something like the G One Climax. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting, though. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Oh, and other big news from New Japan. Hmm. Rey Mysterio, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I almost totally forgot. Yeah, Rey Mysterio <laughs> uh, issued a challenge to Jushin Thunder Liger. Holy for, shit. Uh, Strong Style Evolve, which is their California show. And actually, interesting note about that whole show, too, because like that thing sold out, or sold out really, really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And that shit sold out before the announcement of Rey Mysterio on there. Yeah. So, so imagine if they had gotten a bigger venue. Exactly. They could have probably sold at least another couple thousand more tickets i'm thinking because those two fought back in wcw i want to say but it's been how many years and both have gotten well jushin's getting up there in age ray seems to get better with age because yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, seeing Ray's... as he's in the best shape he was ever in that royal rumble yeah ray definitely has come back with some fire like I think him getting to rest and recover and stuff has done some wonders. Heal, you know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of things. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Was there, I, was like, I feel like there was something else I was going to say about Rey Mysterio, but now I can't remember. Um, nope, it's gone. <laughs> All right. Is that it for this week? I, I, I think that might be it for this week. I think I'm. my mind is blank. I'm looking through my notes, and I think, is there anything else on uh, the short list? No, we have gotten through the list, and uh, my brain is officially done for today, because that's <laughs> what happens when you present your research at work. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, check back in with us next week. Um, sorry about last week uh, missing it, but, you know work and life interferes. Uh, so check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, geek, wow, Gmail. Wow, I'm out of it. Uh, Super Smart Brothers on Facebook, at Smart Brothers on Twitter, Super Smart Brothers at gmail.com, and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast pretty much anywhere you can find it. Podcast. So have a great week, everybody. Yep. Peace out, everybody. See you next time.